in a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Our theme this week demonstrates how having a dream list and proving to yourself that you can do hard things is important. I think you'll hear from Liz that when you create space in your life, interesting things begin to happen. Adventure uses a different part of our brain. And when we get out of daily operation mode or the transactional nature of work and life, we allow creative thoughts and experiences to emerge. It's interesting. I was reading the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it reminded me of this episode, actually. If we keep putting off adventures, those adventures will move on without you. We also dive into some unique conversations related to being a woman in the wilderness. And we talk much more offline about this topic after the recording, but it's a topic that I think is overlooked by the outdoor industry and might contribute to women's willingness to participate in adventurous things. So I was really intrigued by this conversation, and I thought the title, I mean, we talk about being brave a couple of times in this episode, but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so I want to say, you know, if you're getting stuck, you might appreciate joining us in the Adventure Arena. In the Arena is meant to be a place where we support others. You know, it's a Sherpa-type philosophy that we are in a family adventure arena, so to speak, and we sort of support each other. We're not the critics in the cheap seats. It's a place to help develop, nurture, and implement your personal and family adventure dreams. Our beta group is just wrapping up. Actually, it did wrap up. We're taking July off, but we will be kicking things back off again this fall. So if you want to register, you can go to the waiting list by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash arena, and you will be on the waiting list and one of the first to know when things open back up. I first met our guest on a day of many firsts. I was in Seattle for work, actually. And ironically, it was a last chance opportunity for her and I to connect in a coffee shop. She was the first person I had ever met that had actually hiked the Camino. She was the first person I'd ever met in real life that had taken a gap between work And quite honestly, she was the first person I had ever shared avocado toast with and never knew how good avocado toast would become in my future. But more importantly, Liz is someone who has inspired me since then, and I've kept in touch. I reached out to her a couple of months ago to talk more about the Camino. We've been able to reconnect, and I'm really excited to bring her today as a guest on Ordinary Sherpa. Liz is celebrating her year of being 50 by walking around her neighborhood, across Spain, and in half marathons with family and friends. She is professionally seizing this moment to build a business that inspires and supports women and girls to have healthy, whole relationships with their menstrual cycles. And she and her husband are raising a daughter who is 11 and stretching towards independence. They are a tight-knit family who love to travel, outdoorsy adventures, and good food. They live in Seattle with their big dog, Liz, I am so excited that the world allowed us to have this conversation today. Thank you so much. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Oh, Heidi, me too. And thank you so much for having me. 
Yes. Let's start with this first meeting. And I know it wasn't even that monumental, quite honestly. <laughs> like it was just an interesting conversation. But you had literally just come off of, would you call it a gap year or a sabbatical? Or it wasn't quite a full year, but definitely a career break to hike some time in the Camino. Tell me just a little bit the impetus behind what inspired that first just intentional break from life. Well, I would say two things. I had just left my last, you know, quote unquote, big job. I had been CEO of a statewide nonprofit here in Washington and was ready for a change. Professionally, I was ready to reimagine life in a way that was not so busy. I was tired of being asked, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. And I wanted to have a better answer for that. And I wanted to feel like I could do really impactful work and be a very present mom for my daughter who was growing up and just starting to, you know, stretch towards adolescence at the time. And I made the decision, my family, we made the collective decision that I was going to leave that job and figure out what I wanted to do next. And as part of kicking that off, I walked, you know, I spent a couple of weeks in Spain walking the Camino, which gave me the chance to really consider that transition. So my Camino, and then when I met you, was really at the beginning of it, Mm. the beginning of this whole new way of how I wanted to live. Wow. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Camino and why the Camino was the place that you chose to explore? Yeah, I do. So I was on my first date with my husband probably 16 16 or 17 years ago at this point. And we really connected around adventure and traveling and those big moments in your life where you can think about something new. And for him, that was his first Camino experience, which he had done a few years prior. And so I remember having dinner with my now husband thinking, okay, number one, cool. Like this is just really a fun conversation. It was a great first date. Obviously we have gone on to, you know, be married for many years since then, but also thinking to myself, wait, like how did I not know that the Camino de Santiago existed? How have I not heard about this? Why have I not done it already? And so it was something that as my husband and I traveled both together before we had our child and then after, we just kept saying, oh, someday let's do the Camino. Someday let's do the Camino. And we made a commitment very early on in our relationship. I think when when we knew we were heading down that path together, but you know, well before we were engaged and married, we promised we would leave the country every year. And that has been kind of a center point of adventure in our family. And so as we've been thinking about that list, which is just fun to hold and dream about, the Camino has always been on it. My mother-in-law, my husband's mom, was heading to do the Camino in 2019, and she had invited everybody in the family, hey, if anybody wants to come walk with me, I'm going to go do the Camino, you know, come and walk whatever part you want to walk. And we all kind of looked at each other like, we have jobs and families. Like, we don't just, like, we're not retired. We don't get to just (laughs) go do things like that. Right. And then as soon as I made the decision to leave my job, my husband was like, and we're sending you to the Camino. Like, you have to just go and do this, go for a couple of weeks. And so I did. And I walked part of it 
you know, sort of meeting up with my mother-in-law at the end of the day for our albergue pilgrim dinner experience. And then I like took off and did the rest of it just on my own. And I had a really deep and rich, amazing experience with it. And I don't want to overuse the word amazing, but (laughs) that's kind of the first word that comes to mind. Yeah. And I would say, so I've known several now. It's interesting when I tell people that I have this podcast, they will often say like, oh, do you know so-and-so they did the Camino? And I was like, it's funny that like now adventure and Camino really go hand in hand. And I'm constantly now finding people. They say too, that once you become familiar with something, you start to seek people who have, you know, similar experiences. So it's just interesting that I've now talked to a number of people since I met you who have done the Camino and have very similar descriptions that it is deep and amazing and hard and all of those things. Like there's just not a good word to describe the experience. So I find that really funny that that is literally every single person has used very similar words as you just described. So it's kind of funny. You come back from Camino and now kind of decide life, right? And I know I I don't want to like shortchange this, but I know you also just went back to the Camino. So I kind of want to, let's talk about the second Camino experience for just a second, and then we can come back and talk about what happened in between. Absolutely. So I caught the bug, you know, I went for a couple of weeks and that was, you know, the resources that I had at the time. And so I came home feeling lighter, but also feeling like, wait, when do I get to do more? How can I do this again? And then, you know, the last couple of years with COVID, we just haven't had that same opportunity. None of us really have to have those same kind of big adventures like that. And Last summer, my husband and I were talking about, okay, when we can get back to some traveling and getting back out in the world, where do we want to go? And I said, I want to put Camino back on the table. I want all three of us to go and do it. And we talked about that a little bit and said, oh, we have an 11-year-old and jobs and you know, we can't just leave, you know, all three of us take six weeks or a couple of months to go and do that. And we said, well, let's think about that when our daughter is a little bit older and she can carry her own backpack and she could be away from us for the day and just have her own experience as well. And my husband said, but honey, if you want to go do the Camino, you should go do the Camino. And I kind of looked at him sideways. We were just sitting on our deck and I looked at him and I was like, wait, do you really like really? because I just bought a plane ticket in my head. Like (laughs) I am down a path already in that, like the two seconds in that pause. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like if you want to do it, you should do it because I understand what that experience is like. And now is an opportunity to do it. And I am a whole human being and a competent father and I can hold down the fort. And I said, well, I'm going to be gone for a while. So And he said, honey, if you want to do it, do it. And then we started planning. And it took, you know, eight months to kind of get life aligned in a way and to have the right season to be able to go. And so while I finished, I walked into Santiago de Compostela, which is the ending point for many people at the end of April. And so I'm just like, I don't know. I think I'm like still steeped in that whole experience, Heidi. Mm. But I left France uh, walking on May 18th. So I took 43 days 
to finish this time and to have that kind of whole bigger experience that I really wanted to have. Yeah. I want to pull on a couple of things and we're going to go around the board on a couple of different things here because you mentioned this, even in your intro, you talk about like walking into 50 and there's this theme of walking. So tell me the significance though of like walking for 43 days. I mean, that's the equivalent. I've run marathons. Okay. So like that's the equivalent of like a half a marathon every single day or <laughs> at least a good 10K every single day. You know, that's no small feat. And to do that continuously, that is a huge accomplishment. But I'm curious, like, what does that actually mean for you and why this walking theme? You know, why is that so important to you? Well, I will say a couple things about that. First, yeah, it is a lot of walking. And <laughs> it's, you know, like, it's a lot of like, oh, we get up the next day and like, what am I going to do today? I think I'll go for a walk outside. <laughs> yeah. And so that is both beautiful and it is really challenging. There were days where the walk was more physically challenging and there were days where the walk was more mentally or emotionally challenging. Both of those, and sometimes it was both because they were you know, happening at the same time. It just amplified one to the other. I had to do a lot to take care of my feet and take care of my body. And I carried a 20-pound backpack with me. And some days are uphill or downhill or flat across the windy, windy plains. So the walking for me on the Camino is very meditative because it is the one thing you spend most of your day doing. And there's also resting and eating and visiting with other pilgrims and you know, the logistics of taking care of your laundry and where are you going to sleep the next night? And so there's a lot of different things that go into how you spend your day on a Camino, but most of it is walking. And so I found that really special. For me, it's a meditative experience to be outside and in nature and walking. The movement of it and the consistent movement of how I move my feet and my arms with my hiking, my trek poles, I get into a rhythm and a really good place to have conversations with myself and conversations with other people on the Camino. I found I could balance time alone and time with other people in a mostly in a way that I really wanted. But I would say that for me, the opportunity to spend 43 days mostly walking, was really like a gift to myself and something that is deeply important. So I have spina bifida, which means I was born with a neural tube defect and I have some like resulting physical challenges related to both my back and my legs and in particular my right leg and my right foot. So I walk with a brace and I went through most of my life really doing whatever I wanted to do and was always encouraged. I was a sporty kid growing up and I loved being outside and hiking with my family and camping. And I sort of sailed through, like I physically sailed through my 20s and 30s. And I always said to myself, my goal is to still be walking when I'm 60, because that's not a guarantee when you have spina bifida. Many Many people are in wheelchairs or they have later in life degeneration that really impacts their ability to walk. And yet, Heidi, like closing in on 50 in the last couple of years, I was like, wait, 60 is not actually that far away. I need a different walking goal. I need a different long-term health goal. 
And so walking became this like real anchor of, for me, like the sense of feeling healthy and also actually being healthy in my body and keeping my body working in ways that work for my body. So walking is my number one way that I move and exercise regularly. And having this year of being 50, I had said to myself, well, okay, what if I walked 50 miles to celebrate being 50? And I had previously done a marathon and I thought, well, I never need to do that again. I'm glad I did it. But right. like I checked that box. But then I thought, well, what if I walk four half marathons? That would be really fun. Like the training for that would not overwhelm me or my family. I could use it as an excuse to visit with friends and family who aren't here in Seattle. Maybe I'll go someplace to do a half marathon. So I put that plan in motion and then added the Camino to that. And so I've done my first two half marathons of that goal. And I have the next two coming up, one in September and one in October, so that I get it all in before I turn 51. So for me, walking is, it has become even more important as I'm as I've gotten older, as I'm growing up still. And part of my year of being 50 is like solidifying, this is my identity. Like this is part of who I am and part of what I do. And it keeps me more closely connected to myself, which feels really important as I'm thinking about what are my next 50 years going to be like, really. Awesome. I appreciate all of that insight because I think it also give space to allow your identity to be more than whatever it is, right? Whether it's more than your diagnosis, more than your job, more than the thing you do, you get to own it and decide what your anchor is and what the meaning is behind that. I think it's your, in some ways it's your why, but for you, the why is it's much deeper than a diagnosis and it's giving you permission to do the things that, gosh, you just want to do in life, right? So I'm going to speak as a mom of three in my forties. I was constantly looking for permission, like someone else to say, you should do that or you should, you know, go do that thing. And then it was almost frustrating because I was like, I was waiting, waiting for someone to tell me it was okay. And finally I realized like, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting to be recognized or for someone to give you permission? You don't need their permission to go do these things. So I really love that you gave yourself the permission and your husband also, right, encouraged you and supported you and saying like your comment there, like I'd already bought the ticket in my head. (laughs) Yeah, I can vision that and love that you went through with it. Yeah, thank you. I can really relate to what you said about waiting for permission. And I think that there is so much in our cultural ethos about the way we are supposed to be as in particular women and moms and Maybe I think you and I, women and moms who are also personally and professionally ambitious and how Mm -hmm. we think about what we want to do beyond those two kind of roles that we play. And so I think part of my outcome of this most recent Camino is, number one, that learning of like, oh, I can ask for what I want Mm -hmm. and I just might get it. And that's a little scary and a little also amazing to ask for it and to be open to getting the yes on that. And also to like to choose me, to mm-hmm. just say, I choose me 
I celebrate myself and that that's okay. It didn't send me or my family sideways. Like this was a grand adventure for my husband and daughter as well, because they had six weeks of living together, just the two of them and figuring out how do they want to be together and so many special moments. And I was in very close touch with them along the Camino. I was, you know, chatting every other day and we were on text and, you know, I would, because of the time difference, I would talk to my daughter when it was the end of my day, but she was just up and I'd have 10 minutes with her as she's getting ready for school and eating breakfast. And, you know, they got to have an adventure too. And so this learning that I can choose me and it doesn't send my family sideways was huge, yeah, huge along the lines of what you're saying about why, why those moments are so important in our life. Yes. I have found, thank you for saying that, because I think um, as a mom, it's easy to also think they need me, right? And it's selfish if I go away or I don't know. I'm trying to like remember what I used to say to myself because I don't say those things anymore, but it's been a journey where I had to flip it to say, I'm robbing them of the opportunity to build a connection by inserting myself into their life every day. (laughs) Like I almost had to like teach myself now. I certainly want to be a part of my kid's life, but it's not it's not selfish to want to choose me or to support my wishes and goals as much as, you know, their wishes and goals. I want to still support them, but we have really found that that intentional opting out of daily life and giving space for a different type of experience and not seeing myself is always part of the solution in that. It's interesting cuz I I want to be a part of the solution, right? I want to be there with my family all the time, but there are days when I'm like, no, I need to like let this one, they need to resolve this or they need to figure this out. And I don't necessarily need to be there. It's a sobering and yet very, I don't know, honoring. It's it's a very, um, gosh, I don't know how I would describe it, but it's been a journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can really relate to that as well. So let's shift to you for just a second. This idea though of being alone on the Camino is something I'm imagining I don't know that I could do that. And so I also would love to just talk about the time you spent with yourself, the challenges you faced, the fears you worked through, and just like allowing joy to emulate the process. What were some of the challenges? Maybe let's start with that or some of the fears you had going into this. Oh, well, a number of them for sure. And, you know, some of them I talked with my family about ahead of time and some of them I didn't realize would be a fear until I got there and I realized there was something new to overcome. I had a friend who came with me for the first week. So my dear friend, Gabby, and it was fun to have a, you know, a good friend at the beginning to start with and to talk with and to manage some of those early challenges. And then my time alone presented a whole, you know, another set of new challenges. So I would say one of my biggest challenges when I was solo on the Camino is that moment at the beginning of every day where I had to walk away from the safety of a building and other people and just set out into the world on my own. Because when you're walking the Camino, there are signs that guide you There's an app that I had that had a map if I ever felt like, well, is that sign telling me to go this way or that way? Because you can't always tell. And some of it is following your nose and some of it is 
looking at the app and like really paying attention to where you are. I took a couple of wrong turns along the way, but that practicing that brave moment of like, oh, there's the safety of a building and other humans. And I, Liz, am walking out into the world on my own to a place I've never been to before on this Camino, whatever is ahead of me. I'm going to see new things. I'm going to experience new feelings and I'm going. And so that moment was some days really hard where I was like, oh, maybe I'll just wait and see if other people are also awake and going to go. And I'll just kind of walk with other people for a little while. And, you know, some days I did that. I actually would wait along the Camino if there was a big dog that wasn't fenced, that was just like barking and dancing around in the middle of the Camino. Part of me knew like I wasn't truly going to get hurt, but it is scary to walk by some very big farm dogs that are not fenced, that are like angry that like they're doing their job. They're protecting their property. There's nothing wrong with it, but it it was intimidating. And there were some days where I was like, I'm going to wait 10 minutes and just see if somebody else comes along so like we can walk by this big dog together. And other days where I was like, there's nobody else around me. I would do a 360 degree turn in the middle of some you know, field of grain or vineyard and saw nobody, like no humans, no nothing. And I was like, I am on my own out here in the world. I just need to keep going forward because there's nothing here. And so I had some of those moments that were like challenging in moving forward. And then I got better and better at it. Like you Mm -hmm. talk a lot about the practice and those practices of adventure. And I had to practice my adventure a bit. And I think of myself as a pretty adventurous person. And then on day 50, where I'm like, oh, I'm by myself again. What what do I want to talk to myself about? And how many dogs am I going to meet in what little town? And where am I going to find food? You know? Yeah practicing all of that and trusting myself and working on my bravery was huge on this Camino. I love that comment too. Like I had to practice the brave moment every single day. Did you document any of your thoughts or anything along the way? Did you journal? Did you keep track of any of things as you were going? I did. I did not want to carry a lot of weight. And so I journaled on my notes on my phone Mm -hmm. a bit And then probably my best journal was I had a family WhatsApp group. Nice. And I would send a picture and a note at the end of every day. So this was like, you know, my husband and daughter, my parents, their partners, my immediate family, my brother and sister-in-law. And I would say day one or day 10 or day 53, I walked from here to here it was about this long. And then I would like have some comments about it and share some pictures. And so that, as I think back, was probably my best journal. And like one of my best keepsakes is that string of WhatsApp with my family. That's awesome. I love that. Because sometimes we forget about, you know, this is a learning journey. And it's easy to like overlook the early stages and just think back. I hear a lot of the learning from the Camino happens long after the Camino experience is over, but it's also hard to remember some of those like detail moments. And so it's a great reflection to go back and look through all of those notes and those pictures. I want to shift gears and just touch on something that was in your bio. I'm just curious about it because 
being an adventurous woman, there are also things sometimes that come up that are just not ideal for being an adventurous woman. And you talk about this having a whole relationship with your menstrual cycle. So, I mean, just full transparency. I know this isn't a topic that people love to talk about. It's probably hushed in a lot of spaces and not likely a topic on podcasts. But I think talking about it gives space for the fact that as women, we share this, whether we like it or not. And some people can find shame in that or like fear in that. So I also just want to talk about being an adventurous woman and having a period. <laughs> like, Let's just talk about it for a second. What really drew you into this like next space around creating a, a whole relationship with, you know, allowing women and girls to feel comfortable and confident talking about it and having a relationship with their menstrual cycle? Well, I can share some early experiences about where I sort of got that initial inkling, but it's one of the things that I was thinking a lot about meditating a lot about on my first Camino experience as I was thinking about what do I want to do next in my life. And I was having my period along that Camino and figuring out how to manage that both, you know, just in terms of where's my next restroom stop, like where can I wash my hands, Mm -hmm. you know, really, really basic. How do I take care of myself, like physically? Mm -hmm. And then also just managing my energy, which can be really different for women as we move through our cycles. And I, I had one of those moments in a forest, I stopped and took a picture of it because I was like, oh, this is important to me. I'm thinking a lot about this. This is what I want to work on in my life. And I tie it back to some earlier professional experiences where I realized how much this disdain or shame or taboo is just ingrained in us and how much I want to break that. And so for me, three years ago, as I knew I was going to be approaching menopause and I knew my daughter would be approaching her first period. I thought we have got to do better for ourselves and for how we teach our daughters. As I started learning about that, I have come to the realization that we've gotten better, I think, both as women, families, our whole communities, in being a little bit more open in how we talk about our experience with our period, the days that we bleed how we manage that. But I realized how much we don't talk about and share with our girls about our whole cycle and about how that can help us stay more closely connected to ourselves throughout the month or throughout our cycle and how much we can you know, learn and know about who we are through understanding our cycles and not just sort of quietly figuring out the ways that we manage the days that we bleed and how to do that. And so for me, I took that into then the last few years of exploration. Okay, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be as a person and a professional? And how can I challenge myself in a new professional opportunity with this? And what do I want to teach my daughter? What do I want to help other parents teach their tweens about their body and about how to be in touch with your whole cycle, not just how do we deal with the days that we're on our period. Yeah. 
It's so empowering when you embrace. I think anytime you can take something such as that and be vulnerable with it, any type of connection I have found, like deep, real connections that I've had with people is when we can share vulnerability. And more often than not, I'm learning something from my own vulnerability that I share with someone else. And I don't know, there's a connection that's made that's different, right? It's not just like, oh, you're wearing a purple shirt today. I'm going to hang out with you. No, like when you share something vulnerable, there's like a deeper interaction that allows us to feel better about ourselves and others. But the period conversation is one that I remember professionally. I was uh, in a a group of women and we were asked to share our first period story. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? Like you want me to share this in a group? Like I don't talk about these things. But when you make the space for those conversations, they're much more meaningful and there's less shame in it. Just overall, I guess shame is maybe the word that I'm trying to get rid of is I want people to recognize it is part of who we are. And I just really love that you're making space for it. Yeah. Yeah. That it is normal. Like this is a, it's normal. And so I want it to be more normal. So like on the Camino, there is, I think people who, when you are walking the Camino tend to be really open about why they're there. There tends to be like a couple of standard questions. Like, why are you doing Camino? Why are you doing it now? What's important to you in life? Who do you miss is another big question. People want to talk a lot about their pets and Mm -hmm. their family, either their kids, their partner, their people at home. And so there is a kind of a shorthand to going deeper with people. And people would say, oh, you know, what kind of work do you do at home? And I would say, oh, I'm in the middle of building a business that helps parents introduce menstruation to the tweens in their life, to their daughters. And Uh, I had to be brave in saying that, particularly when I was talking to men, because again, as you have said, this is a conversation that most women don't talk to each other about, much less do we talk about it with men in our life, much less strangers who we've just met. So (laughs) I practiced being brave and saying, this is what I'm really fired up about, and this is how I'm building my business, and here's what I'm thinking about. And some people were like, oh, that's cool, and then moved on. But most often the women that I was talking to would say, oh, wow, that is so cool. I'm having my period right now and it's really hard to manage it on the Camino. Or, oh, wow. And their first period story would just come out. People Mm -hmm. shared so much. And then it led to really interesting conversations, just getting to know another human being And also, as I was thinking about my business, like it was informal market research all along the Camino, especially as I was talking to mother-daughter pairs who were walking, as I was talking to young women who were walking, it became a really interesting piece of this Camino as a topic of conversation along the way. And in you know to your point in me being vulnerable and saying this is what i'm doing and this is why it's really important to me usually the person that i was talking with would then be vulnerable in sharing something about their experience and then i could share the next part of my experience and it led to some really interesting and fun connections along the way yeah isn't that fascinating how that happened It almost is intriguing to me, too, that your first and second Camino both like had this thread, right? And it just kind of helps solidify and add to the experience overall. I've been encouraged by what I've seen in 
I guess maybe the outdoor industry or in wilderness or even in women in travel, like you start to see this idea that it's okay to share these experiences together without the veil of like pride or safety or I don't know what the, the like layer of it was, but it's just, it's fascinating to see things grow, but we have a long ways to go. A lot of my conversations more recently. So just given like my work, I've been involved in things around like period poverty and understanding all the restrictions. I mean, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but it's just, it's fascinating that when we share this common bond and yet we're not alone to talk about it, or it doesn't feel like we can talk about it. It just by opening it up and it creates like greater and deeper connection. And I think that is just so powerful, especially when you can empower, especially moms and daughters to share that experience or share in the journey. Anyway, yeah. I could go on forever. <laughs> just really yeah. excited and yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. And I think we do have a long way to go. And I think that it starts with, I think it starts with our families. And I think you know, just in terms of how we adventure as families. And as we think about it, there's both logistical challenges. Like I have been backpacking with my family out in the wilderness of Canada or, you know, really close to our house here near Mount Rainier and had to manage having my period on a backpacking trip where you're thinking about what you're carrying. You're thinking about how you're managing your water. So there's logistics to it. And if I had to hold that to myself and couldn't be open with my husband and daughter in such intimate quarters, like that would have been even more stressful Mm -hmm. in terms of how to manage that. And then to not feel bad about it. So then the like emotional or mental piece about it to not also have to just hold that in to me to have them understand, oh, this is a thing she's managing in her body and it's just like an extra stop we have to make or we have to think about you know this piece of camping logistics and mm-hmm. so it is you know physically or logistically challenging to be adventurous and outdoorsy and be having to you know manage your period but there's also you know the energy flow of your cycle where you've got more energy in parts of your menstrual cycle and less energy yes. and how do you you know, how do you just manage the days where you just feel much more introverted and you feel much more like you need a lot more rest and yet you're out camping or backpacking with your family. And, you know, it's just the timing of your life and how it all happened. And so I think there's a couple different aspects to it. And if we, as like the person who's experiencing this had to do that silently without being able to engage with our family, it would be that much more stressful. So, you know, the opportunity to just be open and normal has, I think, been really important for me and important for my family and what I'm trying to teach my daughter about the way she can move through the world. Thank you. I love it. I really appreciate all that you're working on for giving the space and for sharing your story. It's been so fun to see Over the years, I mean, we haven't been that close, but to connect over this, I'm really excited to see how this develops. Liz, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to share more about? Or can you also share how people could connect with you after the podcast? Ooh, that's great. I would say 
A couple of things I wanted to just share about the Camino. There are great resources out there. There are great books. There are great blogs. And one of the, I think one of the tenets of walking a Camino is this idea that we all walk our own Camino. And so just in terms of if anybody's doing research or thinking about it, there can be a lot of pressure to start at a particular point or to quote unquote, make it all the way to Santiago. But I want to just say to people, you get to choose how you do it. And you can do that in a way that works for you and your life and your family. And so to not be daunted by the bigness of it, but to think about what your Camino could look like, I think is so important. People can connect with me, I guess I would say on Instagram, I'm at Liz Viv on Instagram, and I'm just in the process of building this business and getting ready to launch it. So I'll be excited for people to connect and to share more about what that's going to look like in the next month or two. Thank you. I love that advice too. Uh, Yes, we all walk our own Camino. It can mean so many different things, but yes, yes. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, you get to do you. You get to do you, you. right? Why not you? You do you. Yes, I love it. Liz, it has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and just your brain and the space and sharing all of your experiences. It has been such an honor. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much, Heidi. It's super fun to talk to you. I love listening to your show. And so like just a joy and an honor to be part of it in this way as well. Thank you. Thank you, Liz, for being brave, for sharing with my audience so many opportunities here to really dive into not just the dream list, but what does it mean to be brave? What does it mean to do hard things? What does it mean to go after the things on your dream list? I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, I wanted a better answer than busy. When she chose to leave her job, she no longer had the excuse to just not join her mother-in-law on the Camino for the first time. Number two, the first experience was a spark. Not only did she come home feeling lighter, but also a burning desire to say, when can I go back? Number three, you do not need to seek permission to explore your dreams. Number four, when it was clear the wish of doing the Camino as a family was not going to happen, Liz's husband encouraged her to do it on her own. As he stated, I am a whole human being and I am capable of caring for a child. Sometimes as a mom, we feel guilt in leaving. Remember by staying, you are depriving dad and child from creating meaningful experiences and adventures together. Number five, with the diagnosis of spina bifida, she sailed through her 20s with the goal of walking at 60. As she got closer, she realized that wasn't a very good goal and wanted to do more than just be walking. However, walking is now symbolic of movement and progress. She anchors to the feeling of being healthy, which sometimes requires asking for what she wants and simply saying, I choose me. Number six, at its core, 43 days of walking the Camino was a daily practice in meditative walking and conversations with herself. Number seven, Walking alone on the Camino required her to practice being brave, taking that brave moment every single day. Number eight, during both of her Camino experiences, there have been reflective moments that have clarified the next line of work. She recognized her own journey and wanted to empower women and girls to not feel shame over the normal aspect of their everyday life. Number nine, having brave conversations, shortcuts to meaningful connection. 
In her most recent Camino, she bravely shared her line of work, which led to many women sharing very vulnerable stories. And number 10, while the Camino was her way of proving herself that she could do hard things, she also reminds us that we all walk our own Camino. I love that Liz went after an intention and a dream after years of it being on her list. Beyond the romance and allure of an adventure like the Camino, it also represents the realness and confidence that is gained by doing hard things. I also believe that stories like Liz's exemplify that when we get out of the transactional nature of life that we often work in, we use a different part of our brain that ultimately gave Liz clarity on starting her new business. She continues to use the lessons in walking to make progress. What is on your dream list? If you're hearing this and you don't have a dream list, I encourage you to sit down some morning or some evening and write the dream list. What is it that you want to experience in life? How do you want to feel? What do you want to remember? If you're looking at your dream list year after year and not feeling like you're making progress, you might appreciate being in the arena community. It's a paid community to challenge you, support you, and really help you tackle the things that are holding you back from your own family adventure dreams. As I mentioned earlier, we just wound down the beta group. So there currently is a wait list. Later this summer, we'll be launching the formal community in September. So head on over to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash arena. You have plenty of time to get your dream list written down. I hope you found some inspirational nuggets from this episode. There's so many opportunities. It does not need to be the Camino. It can be whatever is on that list for you, but I want you to dig in. What is it you want to feel? What is it you want to remember? It's more than simply checking the box. Life is too important to just check the box. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.